Hello, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And my goal with this podcast is to empower you with nutrition and exercise knowledge from various health and wellness experts and everyday runners to become the best, strongest, fastest, fit cookie version of yourself that you can be. Are you ready? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. You guys are in for such a treat today. So on today's episode, I have my guest, Phil Nicolosi. And Phil Nicolosi was actually my high school history teacher when I went to Westmore Central in New Jersey. And he was my high school history teacher and my political science teacher for three years. So it was really difficult for me to call him by his first name, Phil, in this whole episode, because it's been trained in my head that his name is Mr. Nicolosi. As some of my listeners who maybe went to high school with me may remember him as, but I was so honored to have him on the show because he has been a mentor to me in so many ways, probably more than he knows, um, starting with our just student-teacher relationship in high school. We always got along. We had a similar um, dry sense of humor, if you will, and always definitely appreciated each other's work ethic. I was a very hardworking student, uh, still am, but he actually um, also, we stayed in touch even after high school because of some things we had in common, which you'll hear about in the episode. One of them being his wife, Wendy, was diagnosed with breast cancer um, my senior year of high school. And my mom has a long history with breast cancer. And this was something that kind of connected my parents um, with Phil Nicolosi and his wife as well. So that they could chat about some of those similarities. Um, fortunately, Wendy's doing great. Um, she is also quite a trooper and has her own running story as well, which we'll hear a little bit about. But um, Mr. Nicolosi, aka Phil, <laughs> is probably one of the main reasons and one of the main inspirations um, of people who got me into running when I was not in high school anymore. And this is something that kind of came as a surprise to him. He didn't really realize how much of an impact he had on me uh, during this episode and was discovering some of that as we went, um, which just shows how humble he is. But yeah, I mean, I graduated high school. I went into college. I wanted nothing to do with running. We did not have that in common at all throughout my high school career, despite all of our other um, things that we had in common. And I started running later in college. So you'll hear about Mr. Nicolosi. Oh, man, I got to call him Phil. Um, got to break that habit now. Phil came to run his first Boston Marathon and stayed with my family because we were living in New England at the time and we had stayed connected. And that was around the time I started running as well after watching him embrace his marathon journey and really get a lot more serious in the sport. 
So you're going to hear a lot about his story with running, a lot of the reasons why he runs, how he keeps up with such a crazy, crazy dedicated routine. Uh, This guy gets up very early every day and goes to bed, you know, not having wasted a second in the day. And you're also going to hear about his philosophy as a running coach because he coaches uh, cross country track and field over at West Morris now. And he is such a great mentor to all of the young people that he gets to coach. And we got to listen to a little bit of his running philosophy, um, which I really appreciated as well. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Phil Nicolosi. Hi, I promised myself in my intro that I was going to call you Phil and not Mr. Nicolosi. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's so Great good to, to have you. Yeah, good. I haven't talked to you in, a, in person in a while, or at least virtually, or seen your face in a while, but uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, I know. Wild. Time flies when you're having fun. So yep. I already gave a brief intro of you, but tell everybody who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Okay. Um, I live currently in Easton, Pennsylvania, and uh, I have been a high school history teacher for 27, 28 years and (laughs) about 26 years at uh, the high school that Holly graduated from. Um, I was her high school history teacher, uh, Westmore Central High School in uh, Long Valley, New Jersey. And uh, I've basically um, been a runner almost my whole life, I guess. that's one of the things I guess we can talk about, uh, mostly on and off, but I guess would, I would say the last 10 years or so, you know, a lot more, uh, <laughs> more, more serious about it, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my over, brief overview. Um, yeah. You're, are you from Easton as well? Um, I was born in New York, uh, not New York City, but uh, Mount Vernon, New York. Um, oh, okay. My parents moved to Easton when I was like, two, two and a half, so I don't remember that, but uh, I live, you know, uh, I always joke with my parents that I'm I'm Raymond from Everybody Loves Raymond because they live on the next block, and, um, <laughs> you know, they're they're Frank and Marie, and, and I'm, uh, I'm off the street with my kids, and <laughs> so I, I live very close to where I grew up. Um, my sister was born in, in Easton. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I was going to say, I know you've at least lived there for a long time, but I wasn't sure if you were born, born there or not. Well, that's cool. Well, I know you talked a little bit about, you know, having a long like history with running, but let's talk a little bit about like more of your background. Like when did you start and why, and kind of how has that progressed and looked since, since there were probably some breaks in there. And like you said, you got more serious about it more recently. Uh, There were plenty of breaks. Um, I guess I got started my I just remember like being in like fourth or fifth grade and my dad, um, he worked for a company that was out here and every year they used to do a five mile race because he worked for the company, you know, like they expected their employees to kind of do the race and, you know, he was actively involved in like organizing and stuff. So he was kind of a runner. And then my mom started running and, um, you know, when I was young, I, um, I remember them like getting up real early and, uh, they would go out for work and, and, and go for a run, um, around our neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I started doing it, um, just to kind of keep up, you know, like, Oh, I can, mom and dad are doing it. So I, you know, let me try it. And, uh, I really liked it. Um, I just remember, I don't don't remember what grade I was in, but I, I want to say like fifth grade, I actually did the race and I finished the whole five miles. And, um, I remember like training for it. (laughs) Um, 
that was air quotes for those of you that can't see. Um, <laughs> uh, training for it. I remember my mom riding her bike and me running and she had like a water bottle with her. And I remember finishing the whole five miles. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and then I just kind of did it on and off for a number of years. Um, and when I got to high school, um, you know, kind of the dirty little secret was I was in band uh, for a while and I just didn't, I was in marching band and I really didn't like it that much. Um, and my parents told me if I wasn't going to do that, like I had to do something else. I was like, well, I like running. And um, I started running when I was probably like a sophomore or junior in high school, like, you know, doing it for the team. Um, and uh, a lot of the guys I run with, uh, ran with back then. I'm still running with now. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. One of my cool. good friends uh, um, one lives out in Colorado, and whenever he comes back or I go out there, we, we obviously go for a run. That's like the first thing we schedule, and there's a group that uh, I run with on Sundays. Um, we're almost all Eastern grads. Um, there's just a couple that aren't. Um, some of them are, you know, pants older than they are but um <laughs> the one the one guy he's uh he just did his 26th boston marathon the virtual one um he was a guy he was a sophomore when i was a senior in high school um so you know there's a whole group of us that uh, we're still um you know still very much in touch and that was my whole like early running career i guess you could say um when I went to college, I wanted to run, uh, but I went to Villanova and, you know, their, their team is just, um, so I wanted to be a walk on, but I was just not, was an average high school runner. And, mm -hmm. you know, that you, when you go to division one, you know, national powerhouse like Villanova, you're just not do that. So I started doing, um, crew and I rode for, uh, all four years of college and my first year of grad school. Um, and I rode for a club in my grad school. And then uh, got into like bike racing and mountain bike racing, I should say. Not did really you bike. really? Yeah, yeah, I did that for a number of years. I have, you know, I, I'm just like a very competitive person. So I always feel like, and, and the sports that I got into were like more me versus me, yeah. rather than me versus somebody else. Um, I know running like on the track and stuff, it's you versus somebody else, but it's also, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later. It's just kind of the personal challenges, I guess you have, um, yeah. you know, you just want to do better for yourself, not necessarily, you know, beat somebody, but you know, oh, I can do this, or I know I've trained hard enough. I can do this. Yeah. Uh, after that, um, I just kind of just ran a little bit. And then when I started at West Morris, um, I, basically uh, just ran a little bit like every now and then would go out for like two or three miles just to prove that I could still run a 5k if I needed to and you yeah. know occasionally, yeah occasionally would jump in there was um, um, ironically a couple of the teachers um, and I used to do a 5k in New York City it was for uh, it was to raise uh, money for breast cancer research which was ironic as you know my story but um, that uh, we used to do that and we used to, you know, basically do the 5k through Central Park and then hit the bars and drinking afterward. <laughs> that was real. Oh, <laughs> but, you know, that was about extent of my, my training. Yeah. And then, uh, when my oldest daughter was entering middle school, she joined the cross country team, the middle school cross country team. So to kind of keep her motivated, I would kind of go out and run with her. And then, uh, 
just started getting back into it and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, then I would jump in a 5k with her and, you know, that, and, and I was doing pretty well in my age group. So I was like, hmm, maybe if I started training a little more seriously, and that was probably like around 2000, I don't know, 2010. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I think right I around when you were in school, <laughs> I think my first year with you was the end of 2009 into 2000. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense. That was about the time I started getting a little bit more into it, and then I rekindled with uh, all my high school friends, and they were like, "Oh, we run every Sunday. Why don't we do this?" And you know, they were always training for something. Yeah, and that was kind of like right in my wheelhouse. Like I wanted to be competitive. Um, I did do my first marathon in 1998. Uh, it was the Philadelphia Marathon, and. Um, I was coming off, you know, I was a couple years out of college. I was married and everything. And I uh, decided to, a friend of mine that I used to row with called me and said, hey, let's do a marathon. I'm like, all right, yeah, no problem. And I think my longest run was like maybe 12 miles, um, you know, no water, you know, just go out and run. Because I didn't know, you know, I was like, oh, I can run, I can run, you know, if I can do three, I can do 26. Um, <laughs> so I went out and did that and realized that 26 is a long, long. You got to Kelly Drive and realized that you had to run down it and back again. <laughs> yeah, and I remember, I distinctly remember that very first time my calf seized up on me um, big time. And I remember, uh, uh, I think my wife was there in 1998 and on Kelly Drive, she handed me a pack of Twizzlers and I was eating Twizzlers walking or jogging down Kelly Drive or running, whatever you wanted to call it at the time. Um, <laughs> eating Twizzlers and thinking, <laughs> all right, I got to get through this. Um, and then 1999, I did, uh, um, by the way, this was all before um, chip timing. Oh, so, like, okay. When you, got to the, when you got to the starting line, if it took you five minutes yeah. to cross the starting line, that's that what you, yeah, that's what you were done. That, put, um, that must have driven you nuts. Oh, it did. <laughs> better. Like that was, you know, and you also, they didn't have corrals. Like if you were, you know, a six hour marathoner, you could, if you got there early enough, you were on the front line. And yeah. that, just because you crossed the starting line doesn't mean you could just get into your pace right away. Yeah. You're getting you know, trampled. <laughs> you, you might be still walking and, you know, you had people who were like super fast going behind you and then people who were like super slow walking in front of you. And, yeah. you know, it, it took you a while. And I just remember like looking at my watch before I got my thing and it was like, I was like maybe seven or eight minutes into the race, but mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, then in 1999, um, my daughter was born in September. The Philly Marathon was in November, so I did no training between September and November. <laughs> um, it was hard to tell you, tell my wife that, uh, hey, listen, I got to go out for three hours and do a long run with a newborn at home. Yeah, you're doing that mental training of not yeah, sleeping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not sleeping. <laughs> but the big thing was I broke four hours. Wow. Um, even with the, you know, like the before the you know, get to the starting line, no chip timing. And I was like, okay, I never have to do this again. Okay. So I didn't run another race until I was telling you about Alice being in uh, like middle school. And that's when I started starting to train because I was running with all those guys from high school who had done a million marathons and they're like, oh yeah, you got to come down. And so that's, that's how I got back into it. <laughs>
Oh my gosh. Well, you, you dropped so many good nuggets there that I want to dive into. So first of all, I did not know you ran like in like high school and kind of pre-college. I knew you rode in college, which is a really like full body cardio strength, like all of it kind of sport. So I'm sure that kind of gave you a good base too, going into like your casual marathon that you didn't train for. Right. (laughs) Um, And you also said something along the lines of that you're competitive. And I was like, oh, no way. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, I know you're competitive, but I think running is like the perfect sport too, because like you said, it's about being like competitive with yourself and, you know, setting goals for yourself. And I know that you hold yourself to really high standards, Um, you know, so it's kind of been like, okay, I got to beat yesterday. I got to beat yesterday kind of since. And what I remember um, from what I remember, so for those of you who listen to this intro, you know that I had Phil, who I am acknowledging now is Phil and not Mr. Nicolosi, but it's hard to because I had him as a history teacher for three years in a row. And you've always had the same personality, but I think towards more of my senior year, like third year knowing you, you were a lot more like you were into the, the tough mutters and you were into like the running and you were into like training for races and telling us about them. Um, and the, the, the competitive side of you, I think was a little bit more fulfilled. <laughs> yeah. With a yeah. lot of that. Well, it was like, I was starting to get into it, especially, like I said, when Allison was in middle school and then it was around that time. And I guess we can, you know, as yeah. you know, um, my wife had, uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. So mm-hmm. I kind of put everything on hold. Um, and any running that I did was just purely coincidental because I had a, I think an 11 or 12 year old at the time and a nine year old (laughs) and trying to figure out, you know, like they were playing like softball and doing stuff. So like I would drive them over to practice and then let them practice. And I would maybe if I could run around and I just know like eating and everything, like I just act on the pounds because I mean, you know, you're just, you know, okay, we got to get home. Um, you know, mom's not feeling well, you know, so you delve into the fast food and the pizza and, you know, more than you should. Mm-hmm. And I was, was nervous eating. Yeah. So, so. Surviving. You were surviving. Yeah. You go into survival mode in that sense of like, just trying to keep your life as normal as possible. And, you know, a lot of like, okay, I'm, I'm down for the night, but let me grab a box of Cheez-Its and just, you know, <laughs> Yeah. On the couch and unwind. Um, so, you know, like when getting back into running, like after that had all passed and in 2014, I did my first marathon, 1999. And yeah. everybody always told me like, oh, you know, you know, you did two marathons before and, you know, why, why are you doing it now? And I'm like, well, cause I had two small kids, <laughs> you know, and, you know, you can't just go out and you know, do your long run. I mean, it's, you know, as you know, it's a, it's a commitment mm-hmm. and uh, that competitive nature was like, okay, it, that kind of fed me the competitive side of me, I guess. Um, and like you said, I did a couple tough mutters, but like, I found those more, I don't know, like they weren't, I don't want to say they weren't hard. Mm-hmm. Running a marathon is much harder than doing that. Like, you know, because in a tough mutter, you, you might run a mile or two and then get electrocuted or, you know, run a mile or two and then jump in cold water or, you know, flip a tire or, you know, climb a rope or, you know, so there's, there was always stuff to break it up and it was always paid to be in shape. But, you know, you know, you know firsthand what running a marathon is and you know, what mile 18 to 20 feels like. And, Especially when you, like you said, when you're trying to be competitive with yourself and you're trying to really push yourself, because I think it, 
you know, someone who is like a Spartan elite competitor could say, oh, well, if you're trying to run as fast as you can and jump over fire and, you know, be electrocuted and all of those and those like obstacle races, it's, it's hard. But like you said, it's kind of a different kind of hard when it's just repetitive on the road, running as fast as you can for a very long time. And alone with your own thoughts. Yes. There's no distraction. Well, there's There's no distraction. Yeah. But not like a tough mutter. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like a distraction is, oh, I'm going to run as hard as I can to the next obstacle, you know, and then I'm going to stop and I'm going to have to climb a rope. So, or, you know, get over this lake or whatever, or climb on these logs or, you know, that kind of stuff. And those are fun. I mean, I, I really enjoyed them. Um, yeah. But I just got to an age where I'm like, I'm getting electrocuted. <laughs> well, the first time you got electrocuted, you told us about it and you said it yeah. was great. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> I think awesome. we got a PowerPoint presentation that oh, day. Oh, I think you might have, yeah, because we did yeah. the, um, that's right, the, uh, there was a bunch of faculty. We put together a teacher team yep. from Let's Morris, yeah. Yep. Yeah, there was, a, there was a PowerPoint presentation, I think, in like five of my classes that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I had all the badass teachers, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who did the Tough Mudder. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think one of them had like a broken foot or something, like. Yep. Yep, yeah, yep. someone broke a bo- like a bone. Like it was, yeah. it was a really eventful weekend for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also want to give you credit too because, and this isn't something that I really put together until I was like more, you know, when I even in like when you're in college, I call that being like a pseudo adult. You know, you're like you're an adult, you can vote, but like you you still don't really know anything, um, and I still don't know anything. But he, you know, the credit is that you didn't just like live real close to your job like you weren't just waltzing over right before the bell was going to ring to start teaching you're always there very early every day you're always there in the morning if i had a question and you lived like over an hour you still live over an hour from that school and you have a bit of a commute and you have two kids and you are running marathons (laughs) yeah so like what time of day were you training for a lot of these races when you were in that schedule um well as you know, I started, I think right after you graduated, because that was right after my wife was going through all the, uh, the yeah. chemo and everything. Um, I want, I, I started coaching. Um, yep. It was right after year, Yeah, I think the year you graduated, I started coaching there. I coached when I first arrived at West Morris. I was a track coach, but I was like coaching like the field events, you know. And, uh, oh, okay. Um, and I did that for five or six years and then Allison was born and that kind of like, you know, like you said, it was just, you know, you're at these track meets till like, you know, o'clock at night and I'd get back to the school and then drive home and then all that. Um, but when I started coaching, I would do like, I would, one of the reasons that they wanted me to help coach and, uh, was because they needed like adult supervision out on the trails and stuff or, you know, on the roads. So you know, I would just run with them and do kind of the workouts and, and that kind of thing. Um, weekends, obviously, were reserved for the long runs. Um, and then, uh, you know, on those days where, like, I knew I had a meet and we weren't going to have practice, or practice was going to be like, oh, pre-meet, you know, where you do mile warm-up or whatever, and then, you know, some stretching and some drills and, that, and that's it. Um, I would get up, like, super early, drive to school, run there shower there and then go teach all day so that's why I was there so early because <laughs> so I had been there since like you know 5 30 in the morning um, yeah and driven you know, like an hour yeah, yeah. and then what, I would um, go what I time had, did your alarm go off in the morning oh uh, I started I would get up at like 4 15 yeah. 4 20 you know 
it, yeah. it snoozed a couple times. And the nice thing was I would, you know, like I would get up, I would get my coffee and then I would do, you know, like just get a little something to eat beforehand. I'm in school, you know, so I had time to eat, yeah. drink the coffee, wake up, you know, and then when I got to school, I would, you know, it was really hard in the winter months. <laughs> and then coaching winter track is what I, uh, that's when I really started doing a lot more morning runs. So I bought the hand lights and, uh, you know, yep. the thing was, it was really difficult because, um, you know, you want to get in like a, like you might have to do eight miles, but I didn't have a whole lot of time. Unless I got up at like three o'clock in the morning, you know, you didn't have time to get in your eight or 10 mile run midweek. So I would do like five or six, you know, on a good day, I could get in maybe six, mm -hmm. you know, so I could get back, shower, do everything that I needed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But that was like one of the things where that alarm goes off and it's, you know, 20 degrees and, you know, you have a long ride and, <laughs> the last thing you want to do when you get out of the car is but like that's even today it's like when I don't feel motivated like I'll get in my car and I'll drive somewhere and then get out and run rather than just go from my house mm -hmm. I know it sounds idea. counterintuitive but like there's just a couple bike paths around here that I always run on and um you know a couple of miles away and you know, yeah. so. Did you do any miles on like the, like the Colombian trail in Long Island? Oh yeah, I did that. Yeah. I probably have a million and a half miles on that. Yeah. <laughs> you have a record on there somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those down. things that I never like appreciated until going back to visit Long Valley because which we'll get into, I did not run through high school <laughs> yeah. at all, unless it yeah. was being chased by a bear. Yeah. Um, you know, that was not a part of my high school, my high school experience. So we'll get into that. But I want to dive into a little bit too. You know, like you said, you had a bit of a pause putting everything on hold. And I know, like we had a lot in common at this point when your wife, Wendy was diagnosed with breast cancer, because as a lot of our listeners know, my mom's also had breast cancer. Um, she's had it twice. It's, you know, BRCA genes kind of run in our family. It's you know, uh, let's just say for October breast cancer awareness month, we are already very aware. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. more awareness is needed, but yeah. you know, when you had to kind of say, Oh, okay, this is like a really big life event, you know, let's put everything on hold, but it's not like you stopped teaching. It's not like you stopped commuting, you know, you still had all of those other stressors and then, you know, good news is we came out on the other side really well. And I know Wendy has a running story as well. Yeah. Um, like how did you kind of handle that time and what was it like getting back into running, um, in the future, like past that time? Um, it was weird because like, I didn't, you know, my kids were still fairly young, but they were kind of like at the age where they could get themselves up and ready for school yeah. um, when she was going through that. But so I was still getting up kind of early. I wasn't running at school, but a couple of the other teachers and I, Dana, we would go into the weight room or whatever. And, you know, there was a fitness room there. So I would either ride the bike or I was just trying to do something, you know, and like I said, I was eating like everything that wasn't nailed down. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that was like the stress part. And then like, I would, with myself because I, I knew like you know clothes weren't fitting right and I knew what was happening but like there was so much going on so I kind of did like you know a lot of weights and you know kind of stuff because I could do like a 20 minute workout and then you know that was it yep um so I kind of that that's what kind of got me through and it wasn't until like like I said 2000 maybe 13 where I started to just like okay I'm gonna go for a run and you know I'm gonna I'm going to put in some miles and then I'm really going to start, you know, 
especially the post cancer, we were like, okay, we're going to eat better. Now mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, get on a little bit more of a health kick. And that's when my wife was like, when she was the one year anniversary of her last chemo, um, she did a color run, a 5k color run. Mm -hmm. And that was her big thing. So like, it was motivational for me to see her get out there. And even if she was just never ran a mile in her life, um, yeah, really. She started to do that, and then she was like, "Okay, I'm going to try to, you know." Um, she's addicted to Disney World, so you know, <laughs> did it. the collar run, and then she's like, "Well, there's a Princess 10K, and that's you know, 6.2 miles. I'll try that." And then she did a half, and then, as you know, I think that was your first marathon, the Philly it one. My, it was my second. Second, that's right. You did the one up in New Hampshire, right? Yeah, that was my um, first Philly marathon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we were, uh, she did that, and, you know, it took her a while, but she didn't care, and, you know, she went from basically running, what year was that, 14, 15, 16? I want, um, I think that was 2017. Oh, was it? Because, because my, my first marathon was in 2016, because that's when I graduated college, and then my oh, second okay. was next year. You guys, too, were so conveniently placed on that race, because you were slightly faster than me, so I got to see you when you turned around on Kelly Drive. Right, right, right. And then when yeah. I turned around on Kelly Drive, I got to wave at Wendy, who was just slightly behind me with her pacer. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah it was a, so that, that was kind of like the, you know, running was kind of like the post. And, you know, I know you can probably speak to this, like, as far as like mental health kind of thing. Um, you know, when you're in a situation, that life-changing experience, when you're in that situation, you're adrenaline. And that's why I like teaching, like I thought, all the you know, your classes like all the AP honors classes that year and I had like four different preps and you know the commute and you know get home get my kids and and all that so like I was operating on mm -hmm. an adrenaline level that was up here like constantly mm -hmm. and then when everything was okay it like dropped everything and then you know like you don't care you know oh well how much is this I don't care well it's, it's just money who cares and then all of a sudden like you know you don't have anything else to stress about. So everything just drops. And that's when that was really kind of like running was that way to burn off that kind of ridiculous anxiety, I guess you could say, not the real anxiety of like, you know, yeah, life is drastically changing, but like you know, small, small first world problem anxiety. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. 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 Like $4 for bread. Come on. What the heck? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Oh, they're out of this Gatorade. Come on. Yeah. You have what I call, like, I, I like to, like, like you said, that ridiculous anxiety versus just like a lot of energy, first world problem anxiety. Like you have like that ballistic button that just doesn't turn off. Like even when you said you were operating at a high level and it was just all adrenaline when you were teaching that really hard year when Wendy was going through chemo treatments, I, I always feel like every year though, you always had like the highest energy level and you always do all so much in a day, you know, and it's like you're the energizer bunny. So <laughs> have you, have you always been this way? Like an early riser, get as much done in a day as you can, like just to kind of fill the day because you don't like to sit still or is that more like manifested over time? Uh, I'm always pretty high strung in that sense. <laughs> um, when I did crew, we were practicing, you know, we were getting up super early, but even yeah. before that, like I always, I was probably one of the rare college kids that wanted the earliest classes. 
Mm -hmm. I knew I was up a because I was doing crew and B because I had always done that. And like when I was a kid and my parents were, you know, they were get up early to run. Um, I would get on my bike and uh, get up early too, because I deliver newspapers. Oh, did you um, really? That's yeah. Great... Yeah. I was a newspaper <laughs> carrier for around here. Yeah. <laughs> early enterprising. Um, yeah, yeah. But I would do that. I would do that. And so we, I delivered the morning paper mm -hmm. and it would arrive at like, you know, 4.30 in the morning, I would get up around five, I would get on my bike, you know, put all the newspapers in the bag. And, you know, I don't even think they do that anymore. Now you just hit refresh on your computer and the, you know, yeah, the newspaper's the right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd still do to get a newspaper, still get the newspaper that I delivered. Um, nice. But, uh, you know, so that was like, like, I was always in that, but at the, on the same token, like, you know, 9.30 at night, I'm done. Yeah. You know, <laughs> You know, that, that's a, that's a full day for me. You know, yeah. I'm ready to pack it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you definitely have a long history then of getting up early, but like you said too, it's still not like it's easy when it's like 20 degrees out and you're getting in the car to drive, to go run in the dark when it's cold and you're just really consistent. Um, and something too, I wanted to dive into, you know, do you feel that accomplishing like some of those goals that you mentioned and even just the consistency of the routine in running has really like overflowed into other areas of your life, like mental health purposes, like you said, kind of. Anxiety. Oh yeah, def definitely. Um, I've always been like, there's, there's my dog. <laughs> oh, that's okay. You can just keep talking. <laughs> okay. So you don't mind it. No, um, no, it's fine. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I'm, I, my one friend who lives in Colorado uh, always said that I was his one friend who, no matter what I did, it was 125% every single time, you know. Um, so I get like that zone where I got like, this is what I wanted to accomplish and I'm going to keep doing it until I get what I want. Um, so that that's kind of the bad thing in the sense that sometimes it becomes all consuming yeah and you know you kind of lose focus of the little things like as you probably know when you're training for a marathon like you know you friends want to meet on a friday night or saturday night and you're like uh, i don't know i, I gotta eat you know you know, mm -hmm. I'd rather just have plain pasta, but you're going to like this great restaurant or whatever, you know, oh, I'm not going to have a drink tonight because I got to get up and do 22 tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you kind of put your life on hold. So some of the, like, and I guess, you, you know, like sometimes it can, and I found myself falling into this trap a, a number of times, routine becomes all encompassing. Yeah. So like, I don't get up as early as I used to now, especially during the fall months and now that we're back in school and everything I will and I'm not coaching in the fall this year so when I come home I'll just go right and and run right after work so I'm doing afternoon runs um which I'm kind of used to because when track starts that's when we have practice and you know track like I'm changing after school so I'm doing afternoon and because I have to go to practice I know I'm going to get my run in. So the motivation doesn't have to be as high, you know, to get out of bed. Yeah. To, you know, okay, I got to put my sneakers on. Okay. Like I know I have to go out and coach and I know what the workout is. So in my head, I'm already, okay, this is what I have to do. Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to, you know, those, you know, during the summer when there's really no schedule for me, you know, sometimes I'll run in the morning. Sometimes I'll run in the afternoon. It's kind of mostly when, you know, the spirit moves me kind of thing. 
Yeah. And like, like you said too, the routine is something you have to rely on. Otherwise your entire day probably unravels because it's yep. like, okay, phase one complete phase two complete. But also yep. once it becomes all encompassing, it's like, okay, I kind of need a little bit of a break or just to mix it up because it's a grind for sure. Especially when you're, you know, altering your whole life to get in that 20 mile or on a Saturday when, you know, you, you could have went out with friends on a Friday night and gotten something more exciting. Right. <laughs> than right. Pasta. Um, and like something too, I want to talk about because we're talking about someone who, you know, is, is a runner and it's part of your life. And then what I want to talk about too is Boston. Uh. <laughs> so we're, we're not just a runner, you know, we're running to qualify for things and like right. you said, to really be competitive with yourself. So tell us about like the first time you qualified for Boston and kind of, what that experience was like, because spoiler alert, you've qualified for Boston like every year since I graduated high school, I think. <laughs> um, uh, my first one was 2015 and I did um, the Lehigh Valley Marathon um, in 2000, uh, September of 2014. And um, so it actually just passed my six year anniversary of, and that was the first marathon that I did from 1999 because uh -huh. You know, so Allison was 14, 15 years old, um, and Amanda was 12. So they were kind of like, you know, they could be left alone, and you know, they I didn't have to be there all the time. Um, so I started just training on my own, and I hadn't really rekindled with my high school running buddies at this point. Um, I would see them every now and then, um, and a lot of them were down there. Um, Nobody else had done that marathon because they were probably training for something else. Um, like a lot of them had done Philadelphia and, you know, Chicago and, you know, so I just did this one. I was like, oh, I'm going to do a marathon because, well, why not? Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's right by my house. The finish line is three miles from my house. So as soon as I'm done, I'm going home. Yeah. And uh, I guess at one point I just decided that I'm going to, um, I'm going to start training for it. And as I was starting to train for it, um, I was like, I was doing, doing fairly well. And, you know, like with 10 to 15 mile runs, and then it was start, starting to get a little trouble when I would get beyond that. So like, there was always that doubt in my head whether or not I was going to be able to finish it again. Yeah. At this point, you know, um, I'm in my forties, right. you, know? <laughs> you know, when I first started training for a marathon again, and that, that was kind of rough because, you know, you remember being able to do something in your twenties <laughs> and then, you know, like go for a 20 mile run, cut the grass, come back, you know, paint a room, you know, yeah. do all that stuff. And, you know, I still had energy to spare. Now I'm like, mm, this is a little difficult. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I ended up doing that and I, I ran, I think like a 322. Wow. And that was my first one back. Um, and I remember um, my friend who had done, you know, if some Boston's at that point that you, you, I think you just qualified. And that was when Boston had just gone to that, you know, here are the qualifying times, but they didn't take, they were taking time off. Yeah. So like, because you're pretty close, you're pretty close, you're pretty close, you may not make it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I needed a 325. I had a 322 and change. So okay. um, they ended up taking about a minute off that year. Okay. So I made it by just like a minute and a half and getting up there and going through and actually stayed with your family. 
Yes, that, you that did. Was my first year, yeah. Yeah. So this guy is like, oh, so I run, I run a lot more now. Um, I'm doing more marathons, you know, and I'm in my forties. I wasn't going to give away your age, but I'm glad you did for me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm 50 now. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, and also and I they screwed like, me by the way, because they took away the extra five minutes. That's so there's no advantage to turning 50 at this point. Well, and I was going to say, and your, your like qualification time has remained like the same. The standard same. is now the same, but also it's probably harder because more people know about it now. And like you said, the cutoff times are who knows after this year, but um, right. yeah, it, I mean, and he comes and he stays with my family and I who are living in New England and we're pretty close to Boston so that you guys didn't have to pay for like a hotel room more than a couple days because it gets really expensive and booked pretty quickly <laughs> in the city. And um, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I you know, you, we had like chatted a lot about running because I was, I had started to catch like the marathon bug and I know you ran and I was like, this guy's been like my teacher for like three years. He's a mentor. I'm going to ask him all my questions because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I run my first marathon, I think a, maybe a month after you ran your first Boston. Um, oh, okay. yeah, I think it was in May. Mine was in May and Boston's in April. So that makes sense. Um, and I just thought that was super cool because I had never really, like, I didn't understand like the Boston qualification, like all the little nitty gritty things about it. I just knew it was difficult. I didn't either. And that's why when I finished at that point, I was like, oh, I need a, I didn't even know what I needed. Oh and, yeah. Oh, actually I, I thought I needed a 320 because I was 44. I did oh, that. gotcha. So you were right. But it's how old you are on race day. So that gave me the extra five minutes, which gave me the 325, which I was like, oh, okay, maybe I did qualify. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes a big difference for sure. Yeah. I got like a while to go until I hit the next age group, but by then it'll <laughs> probably be faster anyway, like you said, like you're running into, but yeah. So he finishes Boston, I think, a, was it a year or maybe two years after the bombings too? It was two years. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which was just fresh in my mind. You know, I remember where I was sitting at school in anatomy lab when they started, you know, showing that on the news. We stopped our lab. They showed it. I knew a couple people running it, but I didn't understand. Like, I just thought it was a marathon. Like, I didn't understand how prestigious it was. And, you know, I knew that bombing it was not good, but obviously I just didn't understand, like, the Boston Strong and kind of the camaraderie around that race. And, yeah. you know, you had run it two years later, so I got a little bit more of a flavor of the running community by then because I was running too and I thought it was the coolest thing ever and I was like one day I will run the Boston Marathon that involves taking like 30 minutes off of my marathon time <laughs> I know um, right and at mile 22 of my first marathon I was like I'm never doing this again I was alone on the road at mile 22 like it was a smaller race I was so like done my IT band hurt and then I got engaged at the finish line so that like amnesia really set in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I could totally do that again. Um, and then, you know, something you had said, like pretty much that whole year after you ran Boston, I ran my first marathon. You were like, come run Philly with me, come run Philly with me, <laughs> come run Philly with me. So I did. And it's like the best race ever. So I love that one. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. So you helped a little bit answer some of my questions just in training. And I ended up taking 30 minutes off of my marathon time. And I qualified for Boston the first time by 30 seconds. So I qualified, but I didn't get in, but I qualified still at that marathon. And that was just such a cool experience because I was like, my high school history teacher's here. <laughs> <laughs> 
And now we have this like new level of like our like relationship basically that we've maintained over the years I've graduated because I never ran in high school. Um, I, you know, was always like, you know, saying, saying bye friendly and like running out of your classroom to my car so that I could, you know, skip the traffic and drive 45 minutes to go ride my horse, (laughs) you know, because I was, I was really, really competitive in horseback riding and that, you know, sport was great. It just wasn't, I have, I think I have that same competitive, like with myself, especially nature that you do. Um, and riding is a really great sport and I'm really good at it, but it's one of those things where like what you put in, you don't always get back. And I feel like with running what you put in for the most part, you you do, you do get back, you know, marathons are weird. And like, you know, the stars have to align for the day to go perfectly because it's just such a long time to be out there with your own thoughts. Like you talked about, but for the most part, if you put in the training and it's, there's not a hurricane that day, you're probably going to get in what you put back. Yeah. That was, um, I, I'm just going back doing the math in my head. We ran that Philly in 2016. Was it? Yeah. Because I, 2015 was my first Boston. Oh, okay. So that makes yeah. sense then. Yeah. yeah. And I know that was, that was a really windy day. I remember yep. really yep. windy. Like I got so much stuff in my eyes on Kelly drive because of yep. how windy it was. Um, but that, that might've been re- my PR day if I'm not mistaken. I think it was, I think yeah. I remember you Pat, cause again, he, you know, he, this guy's running like at that point, you're probably running like 15 or 20 minutes faster than me. So you were like right before that anyone else who's run the Philly marathon, they'll understand what I'm talking about. There's a part on Kelly drive where you can no longer see people coming the other way because you go under an overpass and you end up in Maniunk. Cause I saw you right at that point and yep. I like really just needed something. <laughs> at that yeah. point. And it was yeah, really cause that's crazy. about mile 19 or something, right? It's like mile 18 or 19. Yeah. That's where you yeah. just need that little mental boost. Yeah. yeah. And you're thinking, Oh, I have to turn around and run back still. Oh no. Yep. And you're watching everybody else go back and you're like, crap, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're so far ahead of me. <laughs> and you can see like, um, when you turn around to, you can see like how close the pacer is behind you. Um, yep. I remember that as well, but that was a really cool feeling. And then I know too, you went on to qualify and run a lot of other Boston. So, you know, what makes Boston like so special to you? Like, cause you run it every year. You just did it virtually. Yeah, I just did it virtually. And that was, uh, that was the one where the wheels came off, but uh, we won't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, I, I don't know. I just, I, I was like you, I guess. I never really realized the impact of Boston, you know. Um, and it's funny, unless you're a runner um, or follow it, like most people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, they know about the New York Marathon. They know about the Boston Marathon. And as you probably have figured out, most people will say, how long is this marathon that you're running? Or I'm running a, <laughs> I'm running a 5K marathon this weekend. Or, you know, like they don't know, well, how far was this marathon? Well, how far is Boston? Well, a marathon is 26.2, you know. Mm-hmm. If I, I never... ever did if I ever did that to you before I started running, I'm so sorry because there's probably <laughs> things that I did. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's, that's one of the things that like, you know, I never, I guess you, you, once you get there and you realize like, okay, um, Boston is the only one you actually have to qualify for, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's the oldest running marathon in the United States. Um, I want to say in the world, actually. I think um, so. Um, you know, this next year will be 125 years. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the first time in its 124 year history that they had it virtually, obviously, you know, 
the world mm -hmm. had a different plan. Um, so like, I, I never realized the impact and how important it was, like how, like how it's the, the coveted thing. And I guess that's why it's the unicorn is the symbol is like, you're chasing this elusive, this elusive thing. Um, and then like, you know, when I've tell, tell people that I've, you know, that I just finished my sixth in a row, you know, and there are people who are like, they'll run their entire lives and never make that. So I, I really consider myself very fortunate that way. Um, more you try to qualify sometimes the harder it is like that yeah. first marathon i didn't realize that i was qualifying there was know? no pressure it, right there was no pressure i just wanted to finish mm -hmm. and finish faster than i had done in 1998 1999 you yeah. know just you know and uh you know, so i guess you know the, the thing that keeps me going back to boston is not at this point like the prestige of the race because if like you know god forbid my running career ended like right now um, I could say, okay, I, I've done it, you know, and I've done a couple of them. Um, but one thing that keeps me going back is the last, you know, the very famous right on Hereford, left on Boylston, the last thing, and you're just kind of like in this tunnel of people screaming and yelling, and, you know, you realize that you've just finished the Boston Marathon. So I've kind of like shifted my thinking on that, that I run Boston for fun. I stopped trying to PR and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'm more focused on like Philadelphia or Chicago where, okay, let me focus on this race as the, you know, my PR mm -hmm. get to Boston. Mm -hmm. So, and that's kind of like my gauge where I am in my running career. Like I'm not trying to beat anybody. I'm just trying to say like, well, if Boston says I need this to qualify at my age, that's still pretty good because if I'm meeting a qualifying standard that very few runners get at my age, you know, male 50 years old, you know, you need a 325. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll take that. If as long as I'm meeting those standards um, in my mind, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. And like I said, everybody that I run with is faster than me. So, mm -hmm. Like my training groups are, you know, so sometimes I'll, you know, I'll finish a long run or, you know, we'll finish a race and, you know, everybody else is ahead of me. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized like, okay, well, and that's kind of where we were with the virtual. Um, everybody did really, really well on the virtual. I didn't really train much for it. This was a summer humidity wise, mm -hmm. um, you know, the pandemic, you know, being home, you know, had a routine schedule, all that mm -hmm. stuff. So I really didn't get it. And, you know, when I finished um, 58, full disclosure, um, <laughs> took me forever. Um, I stopped and walked, I, which I'd never done before in a marathon. Um, you know, my daughter said to me, she's like, you know, how many 50-year-old guys can go out and run 26.2 without training? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. So it kind of like put me in, in that perspective. And I didn't have the incentive to like try to run a qualifier because the time didn't count yeah you know it was just like okay you can do it mm -hmm. and that the only thing i was running for was the streak yeah was, well i was gonna say they, they'll send you your medal but the qualification time won't count and then they took away the qualification right now anyway so right we'll see when we open that again who which daughter said that to you was it Allie? 
Allie. Yeah. Yeah. Go nice. Allie. High five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, he's like, Oh, I just finished a marathon, but it was slow. And she's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And you know, my wife was out there, she was race support. And, you know, the thing is too, like you, you know, there was a bunch of us that did it. I think there was a total of like 11 people. Um, and there were people I hadn't met and there were like three or four of us that we run together every Sunday. Um, and I went out with my one friend on the bike the week before we marked the course, you know, we had like where our water stops were going to be. And we had people working at all the water stops and we did, uh, you know, we tried to make it as much like a, a real race. We even had a police escort for the first mile. Stop it. Did you really? Yeah, we got, the, we got the Easton PD to drive us down the road so we didn't <laughs> have to run on the sidewalk. Um, that was kind of cool. Um, you know, and then it was just like a trail run, basically, like it was all on cinders and like the Columbia Trail. Mm -hmm. So, um, oh, cool. yeah, uh, for a lot of it. And then a lot of it was our Sunday regular mile loop, you know, so we did a lot of that, too. Yeah. Well, that's great. And I like that, you know, you kind of took that same um, mindset that you take with Boston, like, all right, you know, this is my victory lap. I worked really hard to get here and let me take my victory lap. And that's kind of what you did here. And you know, all of your Boston marathons had a story. I mean, you ran the year of the hurricane and I think for you too, wasn't that like the year of food poisoning or something? Yeah. I don't know if it was food poisoning or the 24 hour <laughs> flu or whatever, just uh, one o'clock in the morning. Not good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. Not you good. You finished like really fast still too. You still finished like in three hours and 40 minutes or something. Didn't yeah. You? It was like, uh, that year was three thirty-two, I think. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, that was the year it was freezing cold wind. And even on your Boston finisher certificate, they have little icons at the bottom of wind, rain, and cold. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, that was and, the year Des Linden won it. Yeah. They leaned yeah. right into it. I remember watching, you know, I always track you on the app because you, you've been doing it for six years since I started running. And, um, you know, actually I can just track the number of Boston's you run with the, the amount of years I've been running. That'll be easy for me to do in my head. Um, <laughs> I just, I just figured that out. Um, but yeah, I remember looking on the TV and seeing that Des Linden one and like, you know, a couple like Sarah Sellers, some like kind of random people, you know, finished behind her and had a really good day. And I remember you told me that you had a fever that morning and, yep. <laughs> and I like see him cross in like basically my PR time. And I was like, wow, that's great. <laughs> um, I didn't have any fuel. I, anything was making me very nauseous. I didn't keep anything down. And I just remember sitting in my hotel room at like 5.30 in the morning, getting ready to take the bus up to Hopkinton, you know, and it was pouring rain, freezing cold. And I was like, I have to go outside, walk about a mile to get to the buses, then sit on the bus for 45 minutes, already being nauseous and going, sitting under a tent in Hopkinton and thinking like, oh, and I just remember saying to my wife, she's like, well, what are you going to do? And by the way, she got, she got up at like 2.30 in the morning, walked up to a 7-Eleven and got me a modium. Oh. Oh, I don't want to take anything. I don't know what it's going to do to me. She's like, what choice do you have? Like, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, Listen to your wife. She's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I literally did the, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I just said to her, I'm going to do it because I bought the jacket already. And I can't <laughs> wear the jacket unless I <laughs> Yeah. So I said, I'm just going to run 5K to 5K mm -hmm. and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And at each 5K point, if I have to pull off and I have to take a golf cart back to the, you know, the finish line, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was that first 5K didn't register on her app. 
the app's awful like, every year. Yeah, so she was like, oh my God, he didn't even make it to the first 5K. So she had all like the people who were tracking me, like texting her, like, what happened? She's like, I have no idea. You know, she just, she was telling everybody that I was really sick that morning. And then I registered at the 10K mm-hmm. and then all of my other ones triggered. So she knew that I was like, at least, you know, yeah. 20 some minutes, I was, you know, passing another 5K. That was, that was a fun little, uh, that was, I, I think, mentally one of the easier ones for me to do mm-hmm. because I had no expectations other than finishing. Mm-hmm. And I literally would just say to myself in my head, just get to the next water stop. Mm-hmm. And if you can, and it was raining, so like you weren't, it was freezing too. So it wasn't like you felt like you needed water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just a like, landmark. Yeah, it was just a landmark. And I was like, all right, grab some Gatorade and see if you can keep down. So at least it'll give you some sugar and some some hydration to some degree. Cause I had nothing. And like I carried some goose with me at the time and I was like, I didn't open any of them. Yeah. Because I, I couldn't like I couldn't even visualize stomaching it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like even just thinking about it was like, oh, uh. yeah. <laughs> you know? well, we haven't even like, you didn't even touch upon the fact that the whole world was like spinning around you. And there was like a hurricane that day. It was like, yeah. a, it was like thunder snow. It was ridiculous. Yeah. That day. And you probably didn't even realize you were at the water stop until you were like at the water stop. At the water stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I did it. Okay. One more. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. And, and on that note too, like, you know, just going back onto, like you said, you've had some ups and downs in terms of like figuring out how to feel while you're running and being, you know, kind of stressed out with, you know, Wendy's cancer diagnosis and just surviving to, you know, running races, you know, what the experience is like to, to not take anything in because you did that, you know, your first couple, um, training runs for your marathons back in the nineties. And now we've got right. the, the sick Boston marathon where you just couldn't stomach anything. Like how, like, did your nutrition or dietary habits change at all? Um, like once you started getting more into this and trying to qualify for Boston or like, have they been very consistent? Okay. So having talking to a former student who's now a registered dietitian, and, you know, <laughs> um, I, I'm, I don't have a very good, like, I, I don't say, I don't say like, I don't eat a lot of junk. Um, I really don't. I'm not a cake ice cream person, mm-hmm. but like, I do love, you know, hamburgers, <laughs> you know, like I, I love chips, pretzel, you know, like I, so I, as far as like, I'm conscious of it. Um, like I don't try to go overboard on those things, but like I try to eat decent, but you know, like, as you know, life gets in the way sometimes and you know, you, you know, you'll go three or four days eating, you know, crap food. Um, I try to be more conscious of it as I get closer to the marathon. Like when you start like your 18 to 20 week training plan, you know, mile 18 and your long run is, you know, nine miles. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah, all right, you know, I can have, you know, yeah. not that I would, but you know, like, oh, I'll, I'll eat, you know, Mexican the night before, like who cares, right? You can go um, out but as I get closer, yeah. 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 And you know, that's when you're going out with your friends and you know, Hey, yeah, we're going to go to this particular restaurant, you know, whatever. Um, but as I get closer, you know, like within the month and I start thinking, okay, like, all right, maybe I should eat more, you know, carbs and start thinking about, you know, eating more proteins and mixing, you know, colors on the plate, you know, the right way. And, um, one thing, and as you know, and we've talked about this, I'm, I'm just not good at hydration. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Um, 
one thing in my, like I said, I don't eat a lot of candy or cake or things like that, but I'm addicted to Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's not like, you know, rehydrate. It's great during a race, you know, or to recover, but you know, I'll drink it with, you know, dinner. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I bring a water bottle to school, you know, it's like a 40 ounce water bottle. Sometimes mm-hmm. I get through half of it in a full day, you know, and realize, okay, all day I drank a cup of coffee and ounces of water, 15 ounces of water. So, you know, I'm not good at that. So I, I do try to be conscious of it. And I think as I'm getting older, like I definitely, because that's the one thing I know when we did the virtual a couple of weeks ago, I was definitely not hydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started, I was, cause I was very conscious the week before that, you know, I was drinking enough, but it was like, it's not hot, but there was like definitely some humidity in the air. When you don't usually run, well, maybe for the Lehigh marathon sometimes, but I feel like most of your marathons aren't in September. Like that's a strange time for you to typically run right. a marathon. Right. Uh, the only thing I've ever done in September and I did it for a number of years was I would use the uh, Philly rock and roll oh, okay. path. Um, which is usually the same week that we just did the uh, Boston virtual. Yeah. And that was like my tune-up run. Um, And the New York city half in March was like my tune-up run for Boston. So it's like four or five weeks and you can kind of see where you are and you can like test out your fueling, your race gear, you know, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to try to run the marathon in these sneakers or this shirt. So you would wear it, you know, Mm -hmm. in those races to kind of give a test. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, those are the kind of things that like, you know, you, you, you do those tests, which I didn't have this year, you know, I didn't have a test run and I didn't do any like super long runs. I mean, I think the longest I went was like 15, mm-hmm. but like it was in the, and I was one of the guys that jumped in with me at mile 20 and he did two miles with me He's another uh, friend of mine. He's a little bit older than me, but uh, he was saying like he was supposed to run Berlin. Oh, yeah. And we were all supposed to go out to Chicago. There was like six or eight of us that were supposed to go out to Chicago in October until everything got canceled. And mm-hmm. he said once everything started getting canceled, like his motivation to run was like, eh, you know. Yeah. So, like, I would finish a Sunday run. You know, I would think, oh, I'm going to go 18 today. You know, I would go 10. It would be like 95, 90% humidity. And I'm like, yeah, 10 good enough. Yeah. You know, like, I just didn't have the incentive. Like, if I knew that I was going to, like, counted or I needed to do well in this race for me mm-hmm. um you know maybe I would have pushed through it but you know like eh, 10 is good enough you know 12 is good enough mm-hmm. and it turns out like no it's not <laughs> the <laughs> one thing we were joking about is and one of the other guys um that I run with he also he had a little bit of an injury so he wasn't even sure if he was going to make it and he's his whole goal was get to 20 and walk the last six oh, so he just finished a little bit ahead of me like maybe like five or 10 minutes ahead of me on uh, a few Sundays ago. And his whole thing was, you know, the same thing. Like we just didn't get the, in his, his line to me afterwards, like you can't fake a marathon. It's so true. Yeah. You, know, you can fake a 5k, you can fake a 10k, you can fake a half. Yep. You can't fake a marathon. Yeah. And for those people who can, like they're, they are it's unicorns. good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of what I wanted to ask you too. So like you have this great running group who's been around for most of your life, whether or not you were running with them or, you know, kind of mm-hmm. doing that consistently. Um, you know, as a coach, you're a running coach for Wes Morris and you're also a teacher, you know, you're, you're 
coaching and teaching and mentoring a lot of people, you know, do you find it to be beneficial to work with like a professional or surround yourself like with like-minded people who challenge you or who, like you said, they finish ahead of you, you know, do you find that to be helpful to improve your running or just improve your mindset? Yeah, I think I'm probably out of the whole group. Um, most like, and I don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from any of them because they've all been running just as long as I have or even longer. Um, most well read on it because I know, like I spend a lot of time researching, you know, like I'm coaching a 3,200 meter runner, 1,600 meter runner or 400 meter runner. Like there's different workouts and periodization and, you know, when you want them to peak and, you know, how many miles are too much where you start losing speed. Mm-hmm endurance and like you can't train a miler the same way you can train a cross-country runner you know etc so like I get all of that like in that sense um my high school where I went and where my kids went and uh, Amanda now goes um they had in 2014 um she was uh, the world champion in the 800 so I would bring some of my runners from West Morris high school over the summer and she would work with them so like working with them like she she was just great just because a she's a world champion yeah he, like she just would give you that whole you know okay here's how you think here's how you know like when you're in this mode and when you're training and you know you got to keep in mind and her whole her, her whole thing a couple of years ago was she said when she didn't feel like working out or you know she knew she had a tough workout she would just say to herself you know 2020 Mm-hmm. because she just wanted to make the Olympic team. So yeah. She's like, always have that thing in the back of your head. Like, how bad do you want this? If you don't want it, well, then you're not going to work out. Is your why so, big enough? Yeah, yeah. So, and that's what I think one of the things, like when all these races started to get canceled, it was like, eh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what, what am I training for? Um, but as far as like tapping into, like, I think the one thing I just want every runner to get, and I've, you know, coach state champions and, and, you know, we've had winning teams and, and all that Yeah, is I just want people to fall in love with the sport and be competitive with themselves. Mm-hmm. And I always joke with the, you know, the guys that I run with are like, I can coach anybody else. I can't coach myself. Uh-huh. I like if one of my runners is hurt and I'm like, okay, you need to take three days off. You need to do this. You need to stretch it. I don't stretch. I don't, you know, like if I'm hurting, I'm like, well, the, the logical thing is to run through the pain until it makes it worse. And, you know, and then you're forced to be out, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll make sure you hydrate, you know, and meanwhile, I'm, you know, three ounces in of water, you know, for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like, I, I feel like that in that sense, like I know what the right thing to do is, whether or not it, <laughs> I can get myself to do it is is totally different. Like I'm sure I told you, you know, marathon tips. Yeah. None of which I follow, you oh, know, yeah. or none of which that I do, you know. Um, so it's just it's just funny because I think that's the other nice thing about the sport is you can't like it's not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just that um, it's tailored to each individual person as far as like nutrition um you know what works for some people doesn't work for others you know, like you know buying shoes mm-hmm. you know everybody's like oh what are you know oh i'm buying a pair of asics well okay if you're getting them from kohl's those are the kind of asics that 
you won't see on their website. They're just for the mall walker or the person who just wants to get into running. But like, if you're a serious runner, you know, okay, ASICS has a specific design for, you know, people who run this way or, you know, want to accomplish this or trails versus road versus 5k versus marathon. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, sneaker works for somebody else it may not work for you if nutrition works for somebody else it may not work for you, you know? mm -hmm. so i think that's one of the things that you know when you're a coach and you have like impressionable athletes like you want to give them the right things to do so that they don't experience like you know people on the first day when you're showing up in you know those nikes that everybody's wearing you know the you know well they're nike so they must be good for running no um, it's not Kipchoge wear them, so they must. Yeah, be no, good. I'm not even talking about the vapor flies. Like I'm, yeah, I'm talking about like you know the, you the know freeze. the ones. Yeah, yeah, and the, you know, yeah, the Nike free. You know, because the everybody, poles. yeah, <laughs> you know, Nike. unless you're a you know 98 pound Kenyan who's you know going to drop a, you know, a, a 207 in 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 Boston, that yeah. may not be the shoe for you. <laughs> you know. Yes, um, absolutely. Music to my ears, and I love the whole like. You mentioned, you know, do as I say, not as I do, you know, yeah. a lot of the best coaches and the best trainers and the best teachers like have other mentors because, you know, you give so much good stuff, you know, away to these other very young impressionable athletes and you want them to have a really solid foundation. You want them to hear the right information first, right. Uh, you know, from a good source so that they don't end up down a rabbit hole somewhere. Uh, because they bought, you know, hot pink Nikes from Kohl's. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so hard to say, to turn around and like you said, and say, okay, but actually you need to take time off because you're injured and you need to, you know, hydrate well and you need to do these things. And it's, it's really hard to, you know, to implement that on yourself. And I love that you pointed that out because you, you know, you've, you have so many years of experience of coaching other people. Um, and you know the value of it because they've done really well. Yeah, and and that's you know one of the most careful things I'm very concerned about um, is especially athletes um, that are like extremely talented, and you know there's a number of them at West Morris. Mm -hmm. Last thing you want to do is burn them out, and, like take advantage of their talent or their speed or you know their abilities in order to you know score points for the team and make running a miserable experience for them or have them end up injured um you know i see a lot of that with other coaches at other schools mm -hmm. and sometimes i feel like i'm not you know maybe oh, maybe i should be pushing this kid a little bit harder or whatever but you realize that you know that may not work for them yeah. so it's one of the things that like you know you know, you want to, you want to pay attention to your top athletes, mm -hmm. you know, um, because that might get the money for college or when you're the meets, but you also want to pay attention to the kid who's just never ran a mile before in their life. And to say, okay, you need to go out and run that pace with that kid. And mm -hmm. you're, you're setting that person up for not only frustration, but, you know, potentially a, a, an injury with in, in a sport that they, um, that they might pursue for the rest of their life. Yeah. So that's, that's the tricky thing about coaching. And I guess because I've been, you know, I'm thinking back and we, I just ran with a buddy of mine this morning um, and we had off from school. Today, so uh, we went out and ran. Um, and of course, you know, 
breakfast afterwards when we were talking about our high school coach, you yeah. know, and how like just training has changed. There's so much more science behind it. Um, there's so much more technology and like the footwear and the clothing and all that stuff. Like even from when I first did my first marathon in 1998, you know? Oh, I bet. Um, yeah. totally different <laughs> yeah oh it's totally different totally, yeah totally even different. within like each distance there's so many things that have changed and you know like yeah i think i have a lot of the same coaching philosophy and i think i've gotten that from a lot of the different uh mentors coaches teachers you know you being kind of my my marathon q a person <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell my husband or my my parents i'm like i'm going to text my coach They're like who's your coach i'm like i'm talking about mr nicolosi <laughs> <laughs> um you know so. ask yeah, I'm talking about Phil. And, uh, you know, I'm going to ask him this question. And I was also very fortunate. I had a very conservative, very cautious, very mindful equestrian coach too, when I was in high school. And I was really lucky because it's the same way in equestrian. It's, there's some really bad coaches. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sometimes the coaches that do like they're, they're coaching for themselves, their yes. own personal glory, not or the benefit of the athlete. And I don't care what sport it is. It doesn't have to be track, you know, football yeah. or whatever, um, you know, basketball. But that's the one thing, like, I don't want to ever, and especially, like, your, your, your really talented athletes, like, if they're going to go on and do this in college, or even your lesser talented athletes mm -hmm. who are just going to continue to run in college, mm -hmm. like, think about it, four years of high school, four years of college, competing constantly, three seasons, like mm -hmm. you're burned out and i know a, a zillion people and i know you probably have said it a, a ton of times to yourself is oh i wish i ran in high school mm -hmm. or i wish i had started this earlier and mm -hmm. i always tell people no your body will know when it's right and mm -hmm. you might have been burned out you know like if you started at 15 running and you know had the success that you've had now and you know were really good you might be like oh, i'm done yeah and I, and I don't feel that way because I started riding when I was five and I felt that way by the time I turned in my twenties, which is why yeah. I took running. I was just, I wasn't so much burnt out of the actual sport and the actual physicality of riding. I was burnt out from some of the, the politics of it and some of, some of the people, but I mean, not everybody, but just some of the politics of it. And I was really tired of you know, riding other people's horses and having them get sold and just going through that heartbreak. Yeah you know, and, and being an expert in that field, you know, because I was coached by such a conservative, cautious, very mindful coach and not having other people with, you know, have that same mindset as me. And I was just tired of watching horses get hurt and people get hurt and I didn't want to get hurt. So, yeah. you know, I totally, I totally get that. And that's part of why I liked running because I, you know, it was totally new. I had never done it before. I mm. stuck at it <laughs> for a really uh, long time, you know, and then I put in some more work and consistency and watched it pay off. But, you know, what I love about you and I think my, you know, my mindset as a coach now in nutrition and, and fitness, I never thought I would have had a business centered around runners. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, part of my, my, you know, like philosophy as a coach is, you know, we're going to do this in like kind of a slow, painful, very unsexy, it's not appealing kind of way. Right. So that, right. Because I'm thinking of your health 10 years from now. Right. And that, that, that's absolutely key is, you know, that you, and, you know, going back, like you're, when you're talking about horses and being done, like you knew you were done. Um, I can remember 
through. And I only did that for like five years, but it was like, you had three seasons, you had the fall, you know, and I raced in Boston, you know, ahead of the Charles and, you know, and then we did, you know, like the spring sprint races and then all winter, if you could get out on the water, it wasn't frozen, you were out there and, you know, it was always like day in and day out, competitive, working and like, there's just a point where, like even now, like, you're going to look at like a positive mindset to the, uh, the whole pandemic. Yeah. Right now we were, just, my buddy and I were just talking this morning. It's like, this is the first time in years. Where I don't have a racing horizon. Mm-hmm. So we're just like, let's just run. Yeah. You know? And if you're, you know, if you're five minutes slower per, you know, five miles or whatever, who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. It's like when you have that goal and that's what I always would do is I just always sign up for a race just so I'd have something to kind of in the back of my head, like, Oh, I don't feel like racing or feel like training. Mm-hmm. I'm running this in two months, so I better get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that right now. So in a way, I'm like a little bit more tense about it, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, a lot more relaxed about it. Yeah. Know? Well, it's like but I knew story. like when I finished my rowing career, I mean, I, re- I distinctly remember the race. Uh, I was in grad school. I was, you know, I had raced one last time. It was over the summer, rode with a club team all up to the dock my oar out put the boat in I was like I'm done mm-hmm. and I haven't rowed since and I, I it's not that I hated it mm-hmm. I just I was burned out and, yeah. I, and that's what I don't want to do for kids who are you know extremely talented or even the kids who aren't like extremely talented but incredibly hard working and they know they're going to stick to it the last thing you want to do is you know burn them out so that you know by the time they're in college uh, or finish college, they're like, okay, that's it. No more for me. You know, right. I know that's, it's not a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you can spark that like competitive thing where it's, and I, I still struggle with this cause I still myself to others, but thinking like, where was I 10 years ago? Where was I five years ago? Where was I, you know, and can I continue to do this? And my goal now is to just continue to run as long as I can, mm-hmm. you know, without, you know, any serious injuries or anything like that. So mm-hmm. to make it fun. And actually this morning's run was great because we just had a conversation the whole time. There was no like, Oh, you know, that mile was slow or who cares? You know, <laughs> it's like, what are we training for? We're just doing what we're, what we like to do. Yeah, we're training for life. <laughs> yeah, training for life. So in that sense, that that's kind of like my, my approach to it is like, and you said it in the very beginning of this, you're, uh, you get out of it what you put into it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you may not get that PR or that you know, BQ or whatever, but at the same time, um, it makes you tougher. Mm-hmm. You know, like I always oftentimes go back to that race um, mm-hmm. in 2018 in Boston where I was sick and it was freezing and I was like, I can get through this. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Like, man, that's, this stack of essays is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whenever you're grading papers, you can think, well, you know, I could be running Boston in 2018 with a fever through, a, you know, a hurricane. So I guess- well, Sometimes I can... I'd rather be doing that than grading some of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you have 26 of them, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm at mile 18. <laughs> or or mile paper 18, 18. <laughs> paper 19, here we go. <laughs> you pop a shot block and then you go on to the next paper. <laughs> right, right, right. 
That's awesome. Well, I love ending on that positive note of like, let's do this for longevity purposes. You know, let's train athletes for success for, you know, further than just their high school or college career. I think they're so lucky to have you there that because like you said, a lot of coaches are not so mindful and, you know, are not, you know, coaching people with their, with their best interest at heart for the long term, And, right. you know, that short-term approach might be a little bit more appealing looking and frilly at the time, but, you know, if it leads to the athlete burning out before they can ever become, you know, Galen Rupp or Kipchoge, then, you know, the world's at a loss of talent. And for that right. same back of the pack runner, you know, they could, they could find a sport that gets them through a lot of things in life. But if you burn them yeah. out as a freshman in high school, they're never going to, they're going to hate running forever because of that, that experience. Exactly. And I, one of the last things I would, my high school coach uh, passed away last November. Oh, okay. um, and we, I still met with him with me. Sometimes uh, the guy that I ran with this morning um, was very close to him. Um, you know, here it is like a billion years later and uh, he passed away just after Thanksgiving last year. And it's funny, my sister ran for him, you know, all my friends ran for him. And like, you hear his voice, like sometimes you're doing a workout and, you know, he had this unique cadence to his voice and everything else. And he always had these little like, um, you know, little uh, bits of information, you know, or like little one liners that, you know, like you, you know, he he used to say, uh, you know, a hill is just a flat with an attitude, you know, or that kind of thing, you know. Um, it's only a hill if you never trained, um, you know, that kind of stuff, but like just little things that kind of, and you can hear his voice. And it, that's one of the things that, you know, although the training has changed since we were in high school where, you know, three days before a race, you know, you're doing 400 repeats, you know, and then the day before a race, you're going out and just doing an easy eight, you know, <laughs> like things have changed in that sense. Like he always made it fun and it was always a good time. And that's what we always remember is just the, that it's you're part of the team you're part of and and you're figuring it out now mm-hmm. running community is great mm-hmm. it's the best anybody yeah you know like everybody uh, you know of course those jerks in every every yes. field but like how many times do you meet another marathoner or another 10k or half marathon or just a runner who's mm-hmm. like you know oh yeah you know oh hey how do you like those sneakers and the next thing you know you're like best friends and you know yeah. you speak your whole language of it's and you know, work out. You're running, you're running through the desert with them in a hundred mile or somehow, and you're like, wow, how'd we get here? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and your coach must have done something right because here you are, you know, years yeah. and years later, still doing it and helping others. So I love that mentality. Well, I have a, I am very excited to ask you this end of the post- podcast question. Okay. Um, and I, you know, part of what you said too was funny, just remembering your coach's one liners and like hearing his voice in your head. Um, I use a lot of your one-liner jokes like every day. Um, okay, good. And They're I not do copywritten, hear... so. <laughs> Excellent. I don't have to, I, yeah, I was going to say you don't get commission every time I no. use it. Um, and I, I do hear my like writing instructor's voice in my head like all the time, even if it's just like, you know, in a random like life thing. It's not like I'm on a horse, but it's so funny that you said that, but I'm very curious to hear your answer to this question. So this is just for fun, but before I ask it, is there anything else you wanted to add? Nah, that's, okay. I think it's good. Yeah, just uh, this is a great conversation. I really enjoyed, first of all, catching up with you again. But uh, yes. also, and I'm honored that, you know, first of all, I had no idea that I was the uh, inspiration behind your mm-hmm. now psychotic running experiences. Um, <laughs> you yep. know, like you're just, yep. you, um, I, I 
thank you or I apologize, whichever way you want to take it. Um, but yeah, I know it, it was really good. And I'm glad to see you're, you're doing so well and you know, really honored to be part of this. Oh, good. Well, I'm so happy to have you. I asked you and I was like, well, he's, he's going to have to say yes or we're not gonna <laughs> yeah. anymore. Just kidding. Um, well, I love that. Well, let me ask this question. So you're about to cross the finish line of your goal race. You're finishing like really strong. You know, you're at the art museum in Philadelphia, finishing really strong at that race. You're having like a unicorn race day. It went perfectly. What song is playing as you approach and cross <laughs> the finish line to embody what you're feeling at this moment? Uh, it's gotta be the Rocky theme, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're finishing Philly, mm -hmm. um, in Boston. Um, you know, I just, I, it's it's weird because I, I can't even think of a, like a song that would be playing because it, the, the the noise is deafening as you're coming through that last thing. But uh, Billy, I definitely, you, know, you, you kind of take in the crowd and you kind of take in the, uh, um, you know, the environment, the experience. And, but you no, know, definitely, especially in Philly, where you're coming by the rock, uh, the art museum, you know, you're thinking of the Rocky steps. And of course, you know, there could be some, I don't know, ACDC going through there, or, you know, or whatever, but you know, there's definitely, definitely some pump up stuff. And occasionally during those, the races, you know, when you're going through that, you know, I'll hear my coach's voice and, I'm, you know, Nicolosi, we need two more and we win this meet, you know, like you're going <laughs> to so pick somebody up ahead and I'll like, okay, all right, pick it up until you pass this person, pick it up until you pass that person, you know, and that's kind of what you know, kind of gets you through. But yeah, that's definitely a Rocky theme, I guess. Rocky theme. Final answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll go with that. Awesome. That's a great Maybe answer. Maybe I have the tiger. Who knows? <laughs> I have the tiger. Well, I was going to ask, I was like, which, which one? Like I have the tiger or like, da -na -na. like that one. I'm going to fly now. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that's a great answer. And I also love the Philly marathon because you're going to hear eye of the tiger. You're going to hear the fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme and you're going to hear the Rocky theme song like yep. several times on the course. <laughs> yeah. And then you go right to Reading Terminal and you get a D-Nix pork sandwich or a cheesesteak or whatever, and life is good. Life is so good. I love, or if you're really, really, really feeling good, you run up and down the steps after you finish your race, which I will say I have, I have not done. I've, I've finished two Philadelphia marathons. Um, the first time I probably could have done that. The second time, absolutely not. It was fine <laughs> for me at that second race. Um, but I love that. I'm trying to like get a list of all these different songs so I can make like the most epic playlist ever uh, yeah. to help me train. Um, but I love, I was, I was curious as to your answer because I know we have, we have similar taste in music. So yes. <laughs> well, anything by Kiss, Motley Crue, Van Halen, Metallica, ACDC, uh, it, it, it all get you through. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll get you through some of those tough, tough times. Yep. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I am so, so honored to have you on the show. I think a lot of people are going to love your story and relate a lot to some of your coaching advice. Uh, thanks. <laughs> And we will, we will catch up soon. All right, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. Phil, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed the opportunity to pick your brain and chat with you for almost an hour and a half. And I am so happy that we have been able to stay in touch and that this really awesome, amazing, cool sport of running has 
continue to connect us, even though I graduated high school a very long time ago now. And I hope you all really enjoyed that conversation. I'm sure some of you are now more motivated to wake up and conquer the day like Phil does every day and put a little bit more intention and gratitude into your running. And what I really wanted to draw from this episode too is that I didn't start running in high school. I did not have this long history with running. I started, you know, a little bit later in life as a more casual runner. And even though Phil Nicolosi started running, you know, pretty early in life, he took a really long break from it and really rekindled the joy and competitive side of it and got even more out of himself competitively in his 40s. So if you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I should start, you know, a new sport or try a new activity, there is never a time that is too late. Age is just a number and you can do a lot of things if you put your mind to them. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're enjoying this podcast as well, I would love it and really appreciate a great review and rating on whatever podcast hosting site you're using to help other listeners just like you find the podcast and be able to benefit from the stories and information that we present here. If you're wanting to support the podcast further, which is totally optional, but some people have asked, you can scroll down to the end of the show notes and hit support podcast. And I would really, really appreciate any feedback that you have so we can continue to make this podcast better and serve those who are listening. If you want to learn more about working with me in my one-on-one nutrition and personal training programs for runners and athletes and those who are committed to breaking up with the restrictive mindset so that you can live your best life and achieve goals you never thought were possible, I would love to chat with you more to see if we'd be a good fit. You can head over to fitcookienutrition.com to set up a free discovery call to chat with me about my programs. You can also visit fitcookienutrition.com to access several free resources and more intensive resources available for purchase as well, such as my marathon fueling guide and my busy bee cookbook and meal planning guide that are designed for people, honestly, just like Phil Nicolosi, who are super busy and, you know, super dedicated to what they're doing and want to, you know, reach their goals and not spend a ton of time and money and energy in the kitchen every day. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this episode with Phil Nicolosi. And until next time, happy running.